0: Good morning. Uh, <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> um, my name is Bev. I've met a lot of you, but actually, I've uh, not met some of you. So, um, anyway, um, first off, I, w- I would like to say thank you to Josh and Leah for giving me this opportunity um, to share some thoughts on healing. Healing is a huge topic, obviously a huge. But it's the story of our life, really. <laughs> so it's an awesome topic. Um, and I also, it's important to me to say that I'm grateful for the leadership of this church and the elders of this church, um, and that I consider their leadership very important and their leadership over me important. And so um, I wanted to say that, a little beginning comment. Um, and other beginning comments I want to say that today when I'm speaking and asking questions I'm asking them of you and I'm asking them of myself as well and I want to make that clear um and um there was something else I was going to say, but I actually can't remember what it was. So anyway, um, so I'm going to be talking uh, talking about healing. We've been doing a series on the kingdom of God, which which is awesome. Um, how how Jesus came and uh, introduced the kingdom and and turned everything, changed everything, and ushered in new life for us. And um, so. Um, Anyway, I'm going to be talking about healing from a broad perspective and also I'm going to mention a few things about emotional and physical healing, so kind of all that. Um so um when when we get saved or will we we get healed when we get saved, but it's a a sanctification process also that we walk into, but but we get he- I mean, getting saved is our big healing, but but obviously it's it's way obvious that we walk into it as well. Um, and we learn to walk in the light. You know the scriptures that talk about when in First John, when we uh, we can walk in the light and have fellowship with one another. And we're just we're we are increasing in that. We want to be increasing in that. But just to just to reiterate that healing's a broad topic. I have a I just want to mention what what John Wimber in this little old booklet says. He said healing is wholeness of the total person and his environment it's deliverance from demonic power and influence, it's forgiveness of sin, it's restoration from sickness, it's life from death, it's sharing God's abundance with the oppressed poor, it's growing in the community of the kingdom, and it's reigning in life through Christ, and, and um, so it's, it's many, many things. Um, so some of the scriptures that I'm sharing aren't directly talking about healing but they're relevant to what I want to say so um, let's see so I'm I'm also going to be mentioning some ways just a few ways that we can um, participate with him more in our lives and things that short circuit that Um, and many of the things I'm sharing today really are from John Wimber he was the you know the figurehead of the vineyard he's with the Lord now but just uh, just had a lot of grace an amazing amount of grace poured out on him uh, for all kinds of healings and it 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 it's been wonderful to be influenced in that stream and then uh, also Mike Bickle in the International House of Prayer is a big influence on me and as well as my late husband so that's where I get my thoughts from uh so anyway and and as I'm sharing I'm probably going to stop at different points and just pray so it might be kind of choppy but that's just the way I want to do it so um I'm going to stop and pray and then start talking again so (laughs) and then um at the end um I want us to spend some time where we vocalize as a congregation you know whatever god is stirring in our hearts this morning where we where and so i would ask then at the at that time that that you would if god is stirring something in your heart that you would just pray it out loudly so we can all hear um so we'll do that later and then also pray for a couple other things at the end pray for needs we want to do that um so um I do want to state some things that have been stated here about what we think about healing. Um, Jesus talked over and over about the kingdom of God, and uh, he ushered it into the world. He showed what the kingdom of God is like, and it definitely includes healing. Um, And also nearly, I want to mention this. Uh, from John Wimber one-fifth nearly one-fifth of the gospels is devoted to Jesus's healing ministry and the discussion occasioned by it um, so there's a lot about healing um, in with Jesus in, uh, in, those, in the gospels um, so the first scripture I want to look at today I don't have any slides sorry I, I've actually never used powerpoint if you can believe that uh, but it's true um, Anyway, it's Luke 18, 1 through 8 from the Living Bible, which is a paraphrase. It's not a translation, but I just chose to use that. So it says, um, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them that they must keep praying until the answer comes. There was a city judge, he said, a very godless man who had great contempt for everyone, A widow of that city came to him frequently to appeal for justice against a man who had harmed her. The judge ignored her for a while, but eventually she got on his nerves. I fear neither God nor man, he said to himself, but this woman bothers me. I'm going to see that she gets justice, for she's wearing me out with her constant coming. Then the Lord said, If even an evil judge, mind you, this was an evil judge, can be worn down like that, don't you think that God will surely give justice to his people who plead with him day and night? Yes, he will answer them quickly. But the question is, when I, the Messiah, return, how many will I find who have faith and are praying? Um, So Mike Bickle has studied that phrase, "Will, will he find faith? and he said he prefers to say will he find agreement and i really like that because i like the model of churches that are just saying we agree with you lord we agree with you you know and and which is evidenced by what we're doing we agree with you so i think i think that's something we should say the rest of our lives you know and find out more what that means we agree with you so um and i do have to uh take this i want to go on a little side trail um about a fascinating topic in this story um, most translations that I'm aware of say instead of the Messiah returns um, when the Son of Man returns and um, they, it, I'm I'm not really a teacher at all actually but there um, there's this guy Samuel I think his name is Whitfield it's spelled whitefield but and he's with the International House of Prayer but I, I'm I'm I just want to tell you this is so fascinating and I want to recommend these books um, If you and if you're not a reader um, I, I've been blessed by this teaching on YouTube I, I am more of a listener and I've only gone and uh, started the first book but it's called Son of, Son of Man, the Gospel of Daniel 7 and then Son of Man, the Apostle's Gospel and it's just fascinating because it is the title, the Son of Man, does not mean what you think it means. I'd, I'd be willing to bet a lot of money on that. Um, and it was Jesus's favorite title for himself. Listen to this. He called himself the son of man, 78 times. He called himself Christ 11 times. He called himself son of God five, and he called himself son of David one. So, I mean, 78. So, I want you to be intrigued and find out about this, and it's, it's, and these books come from a kingdom of God perspective, and it's, it's fascinating. So, and it's, and it's relevant because, um, he's getting ready to come back. I personally, I mean, this is a wild guess. I personally think he's coming back in about 50 years. Um, and so he's, he's um, it, it's very relevant what the meaning of this. So I'm just going to stop there and go back to what I'm talking about here. Uh, but I do want to say also that William, or sorry, Walter Kaiser Jr., the President Emeritus at Gordon-Conwell Seminary says, what he says about this book I can hardly find the adequate words to come in this book. And that comes from, so you know, you know that's got to be good. So I just really want to mention that if you, like, again, if you um, look that up on YouTube or read a book. Um, so um, anyway, back in Luke 18, uh, it shows people praying night and day at the end of the age, praying night and day. And so I want to look for a minute, like, how how can we have the passion and the insight to do that and I want to say that um, a continually growing revelation of the love of Jesus for us his role as the bridegroom in love with his bride um, is an important motivator in our hearts and so we we really want to uh, camp out in the love of God for us. We we can't really give away what uh, what we don't have. And um, I I know that we're all in different places as to the degree of the love of God that we have received. But it's just crucial. And um, I also want to say um, I just loved the songs that Josh uh, played. They were just perfect for for what's been going through my mind, the, the parable about the ten virgins, um, you know, a lot of people make a big deal over the fact that they fell asleep, and um, again, Mike Bickle says that um, that it's not the deal that they fell asleep. That's a normal human thing to get tired and fall asleep. The deal is that some of them ran out of oil, and then they then they were like, you know, hey, well, give me some of yours, and uh, just I just want to submit to you that the that that the oil is our intimacy with God. It's our our experience of the Holy Spirit, and 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 there's going to be a day when people who have been too busy doing other things, they're going to try to find it, and they're not going to be able to get it. You know, so I just I really want to stress you know, the need for intimacy with God, and I, my goal today also is to stir our faith for that, but um, anyway, so Josh did, did one of those songs about that, about being awake, you know, being awake when he comes, um, and being ready, which again, I'm not emphasizing being awake, but I just want to, I, I, I really, I personally want to be growing in intimacy and faith with the Lord, and you know, I would desire that for you too, and um, i want to share a couple of stories just again to stir your faith i don't share any story to bring glory to myself i hope i hope those of you who know me know i'm not like that my goal in sharing stories is just is just they are exciting and and i hope they make you think oh wow god can do that in my life you know in some way so um i want to share a couple stories and um and this morning it was kind of it's fun uh being here um because when I got here this morning uh, several other stories came to my mind that I had totally forgotten about and so I actually want to share those I was talking with Nicole I found out she works at a at a veterinary office and um so this is a healing story this is um when we when my husband and I first moved here to plant a church um and it would have been 1991 and this was probably about 1992 or 93 anyway we uh we had a a really great healing in our lives and it had to do with an animal but it was a total it was a definite healing um uh we had a a rabbit that was brown and her name was brown sugar or his name I don't remember actually if it was a boy or a girl I'm I'm not a major animal person I mean I, I like them okay but um anyway my daughter loved animals and still loves animals um and Brown Sugar's eye looked cloudy and um, so I took it to the vet or, and Brown Sugar lived out, out back of our house in a hutch uh, but I took it to the vet and, and, and this vet said, and it was a vet over on um, Jones Franklin Road, I don't remember the name of the office but, um, and, and she said, you know, I am sorry, this rabbit has a tumor behind its eye and it's going to have to be enucleated, which means you have to take the eyeball out. And I think the cost was like 250 and we didn't have the money for that. So, so, so I took it to a different vet. I got a second opinion over off of Dixie Trail. I don't remember the name of the office. And just to see what that vet said, and she said, I'm sorry, you know, this rabbit has a tumor behind her eye, and um, it's going to have to be enucleated. She said the exact same thing the first vet said. And so my daughter, who uh, was about... I don't know 678 at the time we prayed for it and won't you know the eye cleared up and so I I took it back to the original vet on Jones Franklin Road and it was gone the tumor was gone and um and I I told her about the kingdom of God briefly I was I have to admit I was shy and timid about it you know I wasn't uh you know a real great speaker or anything but I told her that Jesus demonstrated the kingdom when he came and she just kind of stared at me I don't think I don't think she believed me but anyway at least I got to say that I was happy that I got to say that and I thought okay well I've done what I need to do (laughs) but anyway that isn't that an awesome story I mean that God did that um and I want to share one more story about my daughter I want you to feel I want you to think and and I know a lot of you have had experiences where you have felt God's affection for you but I want I want you to feel even more of his affection for you and this is an affection story my daughter um, the same daughter I have two daughters but the same daughter um, she this is about um, I don't know maybe Maybe like three years ago or four, um, she was a graduate student at Duke, and she and her and she was married and had two kids and the, and if you were a graduate student, you got to get free tickets to go to the I believe it was a basketball game. I could be wrong, it might' have been football, but basketball, I think sound, sounds more accurate and sounds more fun, you know the rivalry. It might have even been a UNC Duke game. I'd, uh, it might have been, but anyway, they were in line be- to get free tickets with about a hundred or more people. You know, a lot of students, and the game had started. And um, and and of course, you know, she she's she loves her kids, and I think you know is very protective of them. Obviously, wanting the best for them and and her they were all dressed out in Duke stuff and had face paint on and I think her little daughter had the cheerleading outfit on for Duke and and so they realized you know we might not get in this game and um so she took her daughter's hands and she she they prayed and what they prayed they said Lord please help us to get into this game and and if we don't help us to trust you anyway and um and no kidding, after they prayed that prayer, um, a man came up to them, I don't, you know, I don't know how quickly, probably pretty quickly after that prayer, came up to them in this long line of people, picked them out, and said, came up to her and said, hey, I've got these four tickets in my pocket and I don't really want everybody to see me give them to you so if you'll just come over here you know somewhere in the Coliseum or whatever I'll give them to you and you can go on in so they got to go into the game and you know that sounds like a frivolous story you know like you know you know it's not that in the scheme of the problems of the world but it just shows God's great affection and his attention and and he really is like that and and um I want to stir your faith for that and I, I want to stir my own faith for that so that's a cool story um um and I also um I want to share I want to talk for a minute about a story that some of you have probably heard uh John Wimber tell if you're familiar with him he had a vision one time after their church had been praying for months and months um for healing and not seeing any they they have finally had like their first healing and um and so he was driving home you know he w- he was, like yelled at the top we got one you know and um and he was driving and he had this big vision of a of a bank he thought it was a cloud bank and it ended up it was it was honey dripping and and the Lord told him that or the Lord showed him I guess some of the people were kneeling in reverence receiving the honey and some people were brushing it off like it was a nuisance and a bother and um, and so that that was a really important vision I think that reveals you know reveals what people are like and we obviously want to be the people that receive more and more uh, from him um, something that 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 josh sang this morning about opening wide i think it was the hymn uh, about opening wide and and there it reminded me there's a there's a scripture and i think it's in corinthians i don't remember the context but paul is telling them open wide your heart you know open wide your heart and the lord the lord highlighted that to me at one time and and you know we are in different places you know we some of us have really open hearts and some of us have hearts that are are closed and God God really wants to minister to us he's he's so patient and he's so loving and he he wants to expand our hearts expand our vision Um, so I want to ask some questions um well before I do that I'm gonna I'm gonna say one more thing I I remember um this was years ago in my marriage, but I remember my husband lovingly rebuking me. And if you knew my husband, you would know how you know how loving he was. So just please know that he was super loving. But I, I did pay attention when he had things to say that that were kind of straightening me out. I, I I really valued that. Um and it was because he was loving that I could that I could actually value that. But um yeah, I don't know about you, but some of us grow up in families where if somebody tries to do something for you, you say, "Oh, you you don't have to do that," you know. You know, if to bring in you, "Oh, you don't have to do that," you know. And and sometimes that's just a legit thing to say, "Oh, you know, I know you're busy, you don't have to do that." But, you know, a lot of times it's just a way to deflect love. And whatever, I don't remember the the situation, but whatever it was, I was deflecting love and I could tell that it really concerned him. It and he, he's like, don't do that, you know. And I was like, what am I doing, you know? And and, and it was very valuable um, because it pointed out to me something in me that needed to change. And I, I I I know some of you are like that too, probably. Some of you aren't. I think Leah's great at receiving love, uh, but um, we we um, we need to be receivers of love. Anyway, I'm I'm really getting stuck on this love thing. I don't, I'm actually probably gonna. Uh, what's a good thing to get stuck on? <laughs> Um, but anyway I'm just going to ask some questions how uh, how deeply have you experienced God's love for you what examples can you give what helps you to see God's love for you what helps you to see God's love for his church can you admit that there are areas in your life where you're not familiar with God's love can you admit that you have some doubts and that God does not condemn you for doubts but wants to lead you into belief? Are you able to jettison some things in your life to spend more time with God? How good are you at receiving love? So... um So, Lord, we, we want to spend more time with you, Lord. We, we're so thankful for your patience with us, Lord. And, and, and um, you know that our hearts are partially open and our minds are partially open. And, Lord, I, I, I just know that you want to open them more, Lord. And I, I thank you that you wor- your work in us, as you say in Philippians, it will, it will not end, but you, it'll be something that you'll do until you return Lord and we are grateful and and we want to be listening to you Lord we thank you that you love us Lord we we we're just so so grateful that you love us whenever we we're singing songs you know that sound like you know we're already there I I just remember hearing this and I think it's so true if we hear a song you know that it you know it makes it sound like we are just like totally close to God or just you know like we're there I mean I, I like those songs but uh, God knows the reality of where we're at and if we're singing a song like that it's not it's not hypocrisy what we can do at those times is just say Lord that is my prayer you know that's that's good so if, you, if you're singing a song and you feel like you're being a hypocrite you're not you're, you're just singing about the goal and, and you're opening your heart up to the Lord um, so I'm just going to touch really quickly on um, I was going to talk about our speech some and I was going to talk about um, our worldview like how how much we really do believe like believe in the interaction between the spirit world if you will and what's actually going on now like there's stuff going on in this room that we're not aware of I mean there's angels here I mean and that that's just so fascinating so I'm trying to figure out which one, what I'm going to do um let's see um I'm just going to skip the part about our speech and I'm going to read a story that I really like and hopefully wrap this up in like you know f- five minutes or so um but I like this story in the book, Power Healing, which again, it, it is a, such a fantastic book that John Wimber wrote. Um, it's, it's very, I think it's very scholarly. I mean, it's readable, you know, but I think I just love it. And I, I haven't read the whole thing for many years and I, I really want to read it again. But anyway, I'm just going to read this story um, because it mentions a few things I want to talk about. Um, it says in September 1984, The the Vineyard Christian Fellowship of Anaheim released over 600 people to establish a Vineyard Fellowship in nearby Yorba Linda. At that time, 4,000 people attended the Anaheim Vineyard, so we gave up about 15% of our church. But the figure for the number of people who left reveals only part of the loss to the Anaheim Vineyard and those of us who remained. Bob Fulton, one of the original Anaheim Vineyard pastors and my brother-in-law was called as a senior pastor of the new group. He and his wife, Penny, my wife's sister, had overseen the development of our small group system. Most people who attend our church are also involved in a weekly small group gathering of from 15 to 40 people. Further, many of the 600 people who went to Yorba Linda were our earliest converts and closest friends. These included Christians and trained leaders who were, um, these, sorry, these included many of the key lay leaders in the church. Until these mature Christians and trained leaders were replaced, the burdens of providing pastoral care would be increased. There were new relationships to be formed, young leaders to recruit, train, and deploy, and much hard work ahead of us. Though it meant new challenges and more work at the Anaheim Vineyard, Carol enthusiastically agreed with starting the new Yorba Linda Church. She knew that the new church was one way through which God would advance his gospel in Orange County. But Carol had not counted on the personal hurt that resulted from missed Sunday fellowship with her two natural sisters and most of her old friends. Soon after the new church began, she was struggling subconsciously, let me say, or I said let me say, he said subconsciously, with feelings of abandonment and loss. I was not able to articulate rationally what was happening inside of me, Carol now says. If you would have asked me at the time how I felt, I would have told you great never been better but in my heart my innermost part I was hurting I also began finding excuses for not seeing my sisters and friends throughout the week throughout the summer and into in, into the autumn of 1985 Carol's feelings of hurt and abandonment worsened then one Sunday in October she made an alarming discovery I had had a hectic week and was at a low point physically and spiritually when I discovered a large lemon-sized lump in my breast at first I didn't know what to do what if it were malignant what if I needed surgery I think her father was a doctor by the way just to throw that in there Um, that night I prayed for Carol's physical healing but with no effect on Monday morning Carol made an appointment with her doctor for Tuesday that night I prayed asking God what he wanted for me in all of this Carol says as I did He showed me that the lump in my breast was related directly to my feelings of loneliness and abandonment. Until that moment, I had not realized how deeply hurt I was. During my childhood, I had developed a fear of being abandoned, and I had allowed that fear to control my feelings toward the loss of regular fellowship with my sisters and my friends. Carol came to me and told me that she suspected there was a relationship between her past hurt and her current sinful attitudes and the lump we did not understand the connection between the two but we accepted God's revelation that they were related so we prayed together and she sincerely repented of her bitterness then from her heart she blessed her sisters and friends and their work in the new church the result was like a huge weight being lifted from my soul she says God reassured me that he would never leave me and I have been more confident in my relationships since then I then prayed again for the healing of the lump in her breast when I asked the Holy Spirit to come on Carol I felt a surge of power go through my hands and onto her I felt the power of God come on me Carol says the lump felt warm and numb then it immediately began to shrink by Tuesday morning the lump had shrunk to the size of a grape, so I canceled my doctor's appointment. On Tuesday evening, Blaine and Becky Cook came by the house and prayed for me, and by Wednesday, the lump was gone. Carol's healing went beyond the disappearance of the lump. Relationship with family and friends were renewed. Today, she enjoys open and free fellowship with them. So I love that story. Isn't that a great story? And I honestly think so many of our illnesses today have, I'm not saying everybody that you know has cancer has bitterness I'm not saying anything like that but there's we are just a person and whatever's in our mind and our brain it affects our body you know our past hurts and you know it just it's just all connected and I think that's a great illustration of that so I just want to point out a couple things about that story is Carol obviously her worldview included the fact that God could speak to her um and and uh again that that um That is, um, you know, I know you believe God speaks to you. I don't doubt that you do. But, again, I'm just trying to stir you for even more because I just know the Lord. He just wants to dump out his guidance and his... His love, he so much he wants to dump out on us. Um, so, like I said, there's there's spiritual stuff going on in this room that we're not aware of. Some of us have, like I have a friend who has a high gifting. She's a sane person, believe me, she's intelligent and sane. She has a high gifting in in, in seeing stuff like that. Like, and, and I don't have that, and that's fine. But but some of you, you know, you have um, you have gifts that God is is really wanting to stir up you you don't even know yet what he what he's going to do what he wants to show you and um um I, I just could talk forever <laughs> um anyway um so I think I'm just going to stop there um so um let's Let's just spend a little bit of time and and please pray out if God has just stirred something in you this morning, please pray it out and and we'll do this for a few minutes and then we will have some ministry time at the end, okay? Lord, there's nothing more exciting than knowing you and and uh the fact that you speak to us, God, it's just it's just beyond our wildest dreams Lord your love for us and your plan through bringing your kingdom Lord there's just nothing like it and um, so we do ask that uh, that you would give us more of you to you open our eyes more to you Thank you for the gifts of your spirit, Lord, your mighty Holy Spirit. You are holy, Lord, and you are mighty, and you've chosen to work through us, Lord. You've you've chosen that.